Hey guys, what's up and welcome to this episode of What the Actual F. My name is Harmony and I have a very special episode for you today. First of all, I want to say I'm so sorry that I didn't have an episode last week and I'm just kind of slacking a little bit here in the podcast department. My apologies. Please just bear with me for a little bit. We are kind of in the process of moving. And when I say kind of, I don't mean kind of. We are smack dab in the middle of moving. So if you could just like bear with me a little bit, I promise to release a podcast as much as I can and maybe a few extra ones here and there as this whole process is kind of overwhelming and stressful. So creating this stuff for you guys is really great for me. However, it's also extremely time consuming and sometimes I just don't have the time. I said time way too much there. Anyways, let's move forward. One really great thing about this move though is I will have a whole brand new area that is just for me creating content. Like my own little studio, I guess. A special area for me to record this podcast for you and then edit it and then a whole other area to record my videos for my TikToks and all my other social medias. Shout out to you if you follow me on those. If you don't, you really should. And here it is, the shameless plug of how to do that. If you have TikTok, you can follow me at oh hey it's harmony and the same with Instagram. And for those of you who still use Facebook, you can follow me on there at Harmony Miller. That's all you gotta do. All right, so today I have something for you that is totally special, like I said, and that is because one of you actually asked me to look into this case, and well, I did. And you know the first thing I see as I'm searching is a wood chipper and somebody being tossed into it? Okay, I'm intrigued. But I'm getting ahead of myself. First, I want to say hi to Daniel. Hi Daniel, first and foremost, thank you so much for just being a longtime listener and somebody who supports what I do. I really appreciate you. Second, it's so cool to know that you're a total weirdo like me and the fact that this is a case you recommended just made me adore you. So Daniel, this whole episode is all for you. And of course, all of my other listeners, I love you so much, but this episode is totally inspired by him because, well, <laughs> he recommended it. It has been a while since I have done a listener request case, but this one really, really is good. It was too good not to. Once I started reading all about Hella Crafts and her disappearance, I was intrigued. Especially to learn that the man who's behind it is actually free today. Oh yeah. But again, I am getting so far ahead of myself. Anyways, in our second episode of the spooky season, this is the disappearance and probably definitely but maybe murder of Hella Crafts. Thank you again, Daniel. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, buckle up because this one is a doozy. I first met Hella Crafts in uh, the fall of 1986. Uh, she came in to see me and was discussing the possibility of a divorce uh, from her husband. She was very concerned about what was happening at that time. She was also concerned um, about uh, potential violence, shall we say. Okay, so for this case, we have to go to my actual birth month and birth year. That is November of 1986. However, this whole thing takes case on November 18th. Thankfully, that is 13 days after my birthday. This also takes place in Newtown, Connecticut. Which, side note, if you've never been to Connecticut, it's quite stunning in many of the places. 
There is a drive that I took to go see one of my friends from Connecticut all the way up to Massachusetts, and it was one of the most breathtaking scenic routes I've ever just experienced of my life. It was actually like just in the perfect season change and the colors, everything, it was just beautiful. Anyways, so we are in November of 1986 in Newtown, Connecticut. And here is where I want to tell you about Hella Crafts. Now, Hella had recently decided, you know what, I'm done with my marriage. I just, I don't want to be in it anymore. You're probably like, all right, so why was she like that, Harmony? Like, you can't just dive in. But that's the thing. We have to dive right into the meat and potatoes of this case. Because that's just how it really plays out. So on this day, Hella actually meets with a PI. She hired a private investigator to look into her husband. The thing is, on the surface, Richard Crafts kind of comes off like an okay dude. However, Richard is actually a total dick. <laughs> you see what I did there? Because dick is short for Richard. <laughs> and he's also a dick. Okay, let's continue. So on the surface, he basically just has some things he does for like hobbies, which is totally okay. She supports that all the way. And he's also every now and then working with local law enforcement to just kind of help around town. You know, he's kind of like a good guy. But then there's this side of him that she doesn't really agree with. And that is the fact that he has many, many girlfriends. And also likes to spend a lot of money frivolously. Which, hey, you know what? I support you. If you make your own money and you want to spend it, fantastic. However, if you are married and you kind of like, you know, have a family or a life, you should probably just think about other people and not spend all your money all the time. And this is what he was doing, leaving everything to Hella and also going out with the ladies, which she didn't agree with. Although, like, there is such thing as polyamory and open marriages, usually both parties agree and consent to this. Hella wasn't someone like that. She was like, no, uh, I'm monogamous, dude. I don't know what you're doing, but I don't, I don't subscribe. So now that she had proof, she was done. And she went to him that very night. At least from here forward, we have to assume that. Because from this moment forward, Hella disappears. She strongly suspected the affair. She uh, felt she knew who the individual was, but she really wanted some confirmation. So we talked about hiring a detective to prove that in fact, yes, he was involved with another woman at that time. It was a typical scenario of husband is never home, constantly lying about his whereabouts. And she had had enough. All right, so it's the morning after the big night. The big night where Hella comes in, she's got the photos and she's like, you know what, Richard, where's your little dick been? And like throws the pictures on the table, kidding. I don't actually know how it went down. I was just like picturing because his name's Richard that she was like, where's your little dick been, Richard? <clears throat> sorry, this is actually a horrible case. I am so sorry. I'm just a very disturbed individual and happen to put humor in horribly uncomfortable situations. My apologies, let's go forward. So it is assumed that she did go to him the night she found out with the photos. Because the very next morning, Richard wakes up, he gets the nanny and he gets the kids and it's like super early. They all get together in the car and he drives them over to his sister's house. Now, this is done because, like, oddly enough, the power at the house is out. 
So he was like, it's six o'clock in the morning and you know what, we can't have this. I gotta wake everybody up and we have to go to my sisters because we just can't not have power because we're obviously all awake and doing things right now at 6 a.m. Now at this point, Hella isn't in the car. Everybody else in the house is accounted for in the car and now on the way to the sisters. However, Hella isn't. Side note, you're gonna hear some snoring going on. That is just our French bulldog, Binks. He, uh, he's a loud sleeper. It's quite adorable, actually. Always gives me the boost of serotonin that I need. Anyways, you're gonna hear that in the background because he just, uh, he likes to cuddle up next to me, so uh, I can't complain. And you get to deal with his snores. Anyways, let's continue. So Ella is not in the car, and this is a little strange, but uh, when Richard is asked about her, Richard's like, oh, don't worry, she's gonna meet us later. Yeah, I already talked to her, we're cool. So then he drops off his family, and then he's like, oh shit, I gotta go back to the house. Sorry about that. And he does. However, Hella never ends up showing up. Her car, though, would eventually be found in an airport parking lot. It may feel like I just jumped around a little bit, but this is exactly how it plays out. The morning after Hella is seen and she gets this stuff from the PI, she's just gone. And the next morning, before the sun is even awake, it seems, he's like, you know what, everybody, we gotta go because there's no power. Oh, Hella, I don't know, she's gonna meet us later. Yeah, it's totally cool, but we have to get out of this house because there is no power, so come on. And then once they get there, he's like, oh shit, I gotta go back to the house. <laughs> okay, oh yeah, Hella, shit, I haven't seen her. She should be by later. Okay, bye. Like, whole thing real weird. So she's gone, yet her car shows up. It's at an airport. Hmm, what's it starting to look like? Did Hella leave on her own accord? Maybe she like hopped a jet and was like, peace out, I'm done. And like go lived out her dreams in like the Caribbean? Or... Is this all just a diversion from what really occurred? And maybe, just maybe, Mr. Dick is hiding something. I don't know, I guess we're gonna have to continue with the story to find out. I met with her uh, several days after uh, we had caught uh, Richard with his girlfriend. And there were many photos of uh, affection between the two of them. Her. Uh, kissing him and holding his hand and rubbing his back, those types of photos. She just broke down. She cried for at least five or ten minutes, just sobbing. Just a little fair warning, the ambiance of the podcast is about to move forward with some lawnmower aesthetic. That's right, my neighbors have decided they're gonna mow the lawn. I can't fault them, we live in a neighborhood, and well, they gotta do it, cause I'm not gonna go do it for them, so like, eh, we gotta deal with it. So, a few days after Hella's just up and vanished, her friends and the private investigator that she hired to look into her husband are kind of like, hmm, I haven't heard from her, have you? Cause like, I'm starting to worry. They were worrying because it wasn't really common for Hella to just up and vanish. Just like, you know, peace out without any warning. Just, hey, okay, bye. But like, no bye. Just gone. Just like mid-conversation, just... You get it? Like, she's gone. Just what happened? So this wasn't normal. This wasn't a thing for her. 
One more thing, by the way, that also kept her friends just a little bit um, worried about the situation. It was the fact that Hella mentioned to several people, quote, if something happens to me, don't think it was an accident. What? Like, okay, seriously, picture the scenario. You're hanging out with one of your friends and you're just having a great time. You're just like, oh my God. So like the other day and everything just kind of like falls silent for a minute. They like deadlock eyes with you and they're like, hey, if anything ever happens to me, don't think it was an accident. And then like they start laughing with your story like, oh yeah, <laughs> continue. What? I'm sorry. What? Anyways, so yeah, like everybody continued with their life, hoping that nothing would happen to Hella, and then lo and behold, she just vanishes. So now everyone's like, okay, <clears throat> what is going on? You see, Hella told her friends, and I guess a lot of people actually knew, that Richard, aka Dick, was extremely abusive. And they were a bit worried that maybe he was standing firm this time on the whole divorce. And by him standing firm, meaning he may have done something drastic to not allow a divorce to go forward. Because one thing we learn in crimes like this is that a divorce is obviously just the most horrible thing that people can experience. You know, it's just, it's so bad that they would rather murder than just go, fuck it, let's just throw in a towel. Like, this, this marriage was a good go, but like, we just can't do it. We just gotta end it. Nah, instead they're like, I'm gonna end you. <laughs> yeah. End you? You wanna end the marriage? Nah, you die. Like, I just, I don't get it. Like, marriages just, sometimes they don't work, okay? God, no one's gotta die over it. Anyways, so, uh, let's, let's continue. At this point, her friends and the PI are like, Richard, <laughs> yeah, um, have you seen her? Dick? And he was like, nah, you know what? Come to mention it, I haven't, I haven't seen Hella. It's like, it's real weird. She just <laughs> hadn't been around. Seriously, I shit you not, he maintained that like he didn't hear from her and he just didn't know where she was. It was just like, I don't know. He had not seen her, bottom line. However, this would change because this was only a few days after she just up and vanished. But within a few weeks, things would start, um, they would start to look a little bit suspicious. Describe him as, uh, he was very cold. You know, when he looked at you, he had a very cold stare. Their relationship was not a close one, and friends say Richard sometimes hit Hella. Dearest mother, here I am again in London. I have said to Richard, I want to be divorced. I no longer trust in Richard. Hugs, Hella. Now, over the course of the next few weeks, Richard's story would sort of morph and, and change and just kind of like, you know, it just not stay consistent, basically. Which, of course, as you know, just makes you look a little bit suspicious. Not saying you did something, but like, if you don't have a consistent story, you look suspicious. I'm not saying you're a murderer, but like, you look like a schmish murderer, okay? I didn't call you one, you just resemble it okay however over these next few weeks his story does change and he would start to tell some of his friends and some of hella's friends that she had gone to see her sick mom in denmark this was the story now all of a sudden it was like yeah like she didn't tell you holy shit that's crazy because like all she talked about for the last 
little bit of time was like how her mom was just like not doing so well. So that's where she went up to Denmark to, to go check on her mom, you know, because she's sick. I, I can't believe you didn't know that. However, he would then turn around and tell police that he wasn't actually positive where Hella was. Yeah, I don't know why her friends told you that I would say that she went to Denmark to see her sick mom. That's fucking, that's weird. Yeah, I never, never would say such a thing. I, I don't know where she is. Then he would tell another person that she was actually visiting out in the Canary Islands. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. We got, we were like talking about uh, it's like our kids. And then all of a sudden she was like, I'm going to go travel. I think I'm going to go to the islands. You know, it's really great this time of year in, in November, the Canary Islands. So see ya eventually, you know, I'll, I'll come back soon. All right, you do well. Bye. The was a kiss because she was like, peace. And yeah, so that was how it was going. He was telling different people different stories. Again, not saying he's a schmish murderer. <laughs> it just looks suspicious. Cause like, back to the matter, no matter how many times I say schmish murderer, uh, it doesn't, it's not murderer. However, it's coming off that possibly, it just maybe, <laughs> Richard is a schmish murderer, you know? But I, I don't know yet. So like, I can't say the words cause it's not exactly clear, but it's definitely suspicious. So now we're at a point where the PI is like, okay, hmm, I think I'm gonna put a little pressure on uh, Mr. Dick here, okay? I may be a private dick, but he's the real dick. And like puts a little bit of a like, hey, I know a few things. So the PI starts putting like more and more pressure on Richard and nothing really happens though. Richard's like, I told you it was, she's up in Denmark or like, uh, wait, which one did I, what did I tell you? Was it sick mom or did she go visit the islands? I don't, she's just, I don't know, dude, okay? Yeah, the PI was like, I don't like it. So two weeks go by, okay, two weeks. And Richard still is like not having a clear story and she is finally, finally reported missing. However, it wasn't even Richard that did it because Richard's like, again, guys, I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, she's my wife, but like, I don't keep tabs on her. Why should I? We said I do in, in like, you know, sickness and in health. Well, death do his part, but like, <laughs> that's just, those are just words. Like, y'all calm down. So now Hella is missing. And again, no thanks to Richard being any, any kind of help. This is when an investigation officially begins. I want to tell you something I told my lawyer. If anything ever happens to me, don't think it was an accident. It was an accident. And that's an unusual comment to get from a client. On November 18, 1986, Hella returned from a European flight assignment and was dropped off at home by her best friend. It was the last time anyone saw her. A few days later, Hella missed her next flight assignment. She didn't call in, so friends called the Crafts home. Richard said she went to Denmark to visit her sick mother. Later, he told a different story, that Hella was on vacation with a friend. All which proved not to be true. And when this all came together, one started talking to the next, to the next, there was a collective sense of panic in short time. The friends were basically telling me that she had disappeared and uh, that uh, she was not the type of individual who would do this. She had three small children. So I called Keith Mayo. I immediately told Diane that I thought we should go over to the Newtown Police Department to report her missing. And they just turned a deaf ear on us. 
Okay, so before we go any further, I need to make a quick correction. I had stated that November 18th was the exact day that the PI gave Hella the photos and then she was like, Richard, where has your dick been? And like, I'm incorrect. That was wrong. I'm so sorry. She actually got the photos a bit before from the PI and then she went on a trip to her for work and then like she had to come back and I'm so sorry about that. Like, yeah, so she was last seen November 18th when she returned home from a trip and like everybody knew she was going to talk to him and say, I have proof, okay? Like this is you this is her it's not me i'm your wife what's going on i don't care save it we're done so that was the whole thing with her being like hey if something happens to me <laughs> you need to know it wasn't an accident okay so that's where we're at i'm so sorry so time has gone by and the pi that was worried and her friends like he did his own investigation finally after a few weeks after the police are like we don't care they're like oh shit so this isn't normal. Yeah, adults can go missing, but like not like this. This is this is a little bit this is a little weird. Immediately when the police actually start doing their job and investigating even though several weeks have gone by, they're like, "Oh shit, there's a lot of red flags." First red flag that they encounter is Dawn Marie Thomas, the housekeeper. Now she states that on November 19th, which is the morning after Hella was last seen, she has woken up really early and in a really big rush by Richard. Richard is like, oh my god, we gotta go, we gotta go now, we gotta go to my sisters, we have to go, we have to go right now, let's go, nope, no time, let's go, let's go, let's go. Which she said was really, really bizarre. She also said it was really strange that Hella was nowhere to be seen. She didn't get up with them, she didn't get in the car with them, and she didn't arrive to his sisters with them. However, when she approached Richard, she was like, hey, yeah, so where is Hella? Richard was like, oh, she's gonna, she's gonna come by later, okay? Don't worry. And then when she didn't come by later, she went up to Richard and was like, hey, so I'd noticed that Hella never showed up. Where is she again? Richard then told her, I don't actually know. <laughs> That's weird. So then several days went by and Don was like, hey, Richard, again, have you noticed that Hella is just like nowhere to be seen? Do you know where she is? Again, at this point, Richard was like, no, I can't say that I do. And then about a week, week and a half goes by, she's like, hey, again, it's been like 10 days roughly. Where is your wife? Like, I don't know why you're not too worried, but like your kids and me and like other people, we're starting to kind of freak out a little bit. So do you know where she is? This is when Don says, he goes, oh yeah, her mom, she's sick. And so she went to Denmark. Yeah, that explains it, right? So stop asking. No, he didn't actually say that last part, but he did say that she went to Denmark. So in addition to all of these strange changing explanations for her disappearance, Don also noticed strange stains that happened to be in the bedroom. Also, shortly after these strange stains appeared, they also mysteriously were cleaned up. Oh, another thing, large pieces of carpet also disappeared without any explanation. Just like cut out or just removed completely. Again, when Richard was questioned by Don, he said, I don't know. He went on to say that it was probably due to kerosene that he had spilled, caused a stain, so he just like removed it because it was unsightly. Hella's private investigator also felt that investigation was just moving kinda slow, so he continued to look into it on his own. This guy is kinda like a fucking badass, by the way. He literally made his own way to the landfill to find evidence. Eventually, he actually located the discarded carpet. However, sadly, even though his badassery knew no bounds, 
the carpet would actually return with no actual, like, blood. So, womp womp. Still, though, he's a fucking badass. In the inside of the bedroom door, there was a spot, a black spot. Yeah. How big would you say it was? Half a square. How, about that big? Yeah. Did it look like a stain? It looked like it was the same, but it hadn't been there before. The fact that there was new carpet in the bed, master bedroom and Richard ripped up the carpet and wouldn't give the nanny an explanation as to why. Also suspicious, a large freezer missing from the garage. And credit card receipt showed that Richard had rented a commercial wood chipper right after Hella disappeared. Had something happened to Hella inside the house, and was her husband involved? So now, a few days later, a local snowflower comes forward with some more unusual things that he noticed that involved Richard Crafts. It was roughly around 3 o'clock in the morning on November 20th on a road next to Lake Zuer. Zoer, Zor. I honestly am not positive how to say this. Anyways, this is not important. The truck driver said that they saw what appeared to be a U-Haul with a wood chipper hitched to the back. This was parked on the side of this road. He then says that he saw a man who motioned for him to keep on going and like, hey, nothing to see here, just keep on fucking going. The driver, however, thought this was a little bit weird, just like, mmm, that's strange, but I'm just gonna continue plowing. And that's exactly what he did. However, with all this new details that somebody happened to go missing right around that time frame, he was like, hey, by the way, saw this. The driver also says that once they reached the end of the road, they started to turn back around. At this point, it was roughly around five o'clock in the morning because he has to plow the whole street. This is when they noticed that the truck was still parked outside. However, the man that he had saw before that motioned him to just like keep on going and there's nothing to see was nowhere to be seen. Also, another strange thing missing from this like whole bizarre scene was the wood chipper. However, he did notice a few fresh like wood chips that were all around the road. This, he said, was a bit bizarre to him, but he just continued on and focused on the task that was at hand. However, this gave police a place to really start looking. Did you kill your wife? No. Do you know your wife's whereabouts? No. Did you have anyone kill your wife? No. Showed very little reaction at all. There was nothing that either my partner saw or I saw that indicated that he was lying. With Helicraft still missing and no leads, Connecticut State Police called in their secret weapon, forensic expert, Dr. Henry Lee. Now that police kind of know where to start looking, they can't really do much without a warrant. However, they do have a massive search. This was undertaken all around Lake Zor, Lake Zor, Lake Zoar, that lake place. The first area they located was a patch of land with fresh wood chips that were scattered all about. Seemed a little bit familiar, kind of like the trucker's tail, so they were like, we should look here. This search would be intense, but a necessary hurdle to find answers in regards to where Hella had suddenly disappeared to. 
Over the next few days, investigators would find shards of metal, several pieces of torn up mail that was all addressed to Hella, dozens of human bone shards, several pieces of human tissue, two human teeth, a fingernail, over 2,000 strands of blonde hair, and several traces of blood. The same blood that would later be concluded to be the exact same type as Hella. The hair that was found was also noted to be the exact same color as Hella's. And perhaps the most damning, one of the teeth had a crown which had belonged to Hella. Also found in the waters of the lake was a chainsaw. It had seemed that someone put in a lot of effort to kind of hide this chainsaw. Not just because, well, it was tossed in a lake, but also because the serial numbers had been filed off. At this point, with like all this evidence mounting, it was clear to investigators that Hella would not be found, at least not in any good shape, if, if, at, if at all. I mean, to them, they felt like they had actually found a lot of her, but she still wasn't like found, you know, because like, it was messy. So they were just kind of at a point that they're not really going to ever find her. She was disposed of in Lake Zor is what they assumed, but her body could not actually be located if you're catching my drift. Only remnants of her could, if, if you couldn't figure it out, only pieces of Hela were ever actually found. Even without a body though, authorities were able to theorize the last moments of Hela's life. And before we go any further, all I gotta say is the last few moments of her life were just, they're downright fucking terrifying. Seriously, seriously, before we go any further, I just, I just want to say that. Like, <laughs> Richard really is a fucking dick, man. Anyways, let's continue. Also, side note, thank you, Daniel. Seriously, this case is fucking intense, man. This is intense. I don't know if you, the listener, is like invested as I am in this, but like, woo, this case is fucking grim. Because I'm hoping that you're on the same page as like where I'm at in this story. You know, like, she was never found as a whole because they had found her in pieces. Fucking, do you get it? Like, wood chipper, her. Okay? Anyways, we're gonna continue with probably one of the most disturbing cases I have ever ever <clears throat> learned about. We start examining some piece of physical evidence and uh, found some uh, uh, tiny clue. On the mattress, Dr. Lee discovered five tiny stains, so small they could barely be seen. Could they hold the key to the disappearance of helicrafts? An orthotolidine solution on the mattress fibers turned blue it was blood. A species test proved it was human blood. But was it Hellas? An antigen test revealed type O positive, the same type as Hella Crafts. And microscopic analysis revealed it was circulation blood and not menstrual. If a circulation blood, now which means a blood vessel has to be injured to create such a pattern. Okay, so here's where authorities were at. They suspected that the events all started with Richard bludgeoning Hella in the bedroom. Drops of her blood would be found throughout the bedroom and in the mattress. 
It was also theorized that the rug was removed to conceal something that tied to the murder of Hella. Maybe it wasn't exactly blood, but it was something that would definitely make him look guilty or at least let you know that Hella, she died in there. Afterwards, Richard then placed the body of his wife into a large freezer. This was noted because he had just purchased this deep freezer a few days before and then suddenly is missing along with Hella. It was also thought that he had probably disposed of her or got rid of her somehow when he got the family out of the house. That's why he had to come back. He then would rent a wood chipper, waited for the nighttime to come, and then under the cover of the darkness and all of the heavy snow, Richard told friends that he was disposing of limbs that fell onto the property that night, but what he was actually doing, according to police, was disposing of his wife's body. And to confirm that a wood chipper had been used to do this, world-renowned forensic investigator Dr. Henry Lee led a group of investigators throughout a test. This is where they were using one of the best analogs for a human being, a pig. Fun fact, by the way, pigs are extremely intelligent. Like, they are the fifth most intelligent animal on the planet. They are as smart and can understand and comprehend just as much as a human toddler. So, just want to let you know that. Anyways, this pig carcass, because this pig was not alive, was then put through a wood chipper and its remains were examined. It happened to bear a striking resemblance to the similarity of the remains that they found earlier in the month. You know, the ones that were at Lake Zur? Lake Zur. Lake Zur. I'd like the fucking lake place. Guys, I'm trying. I'm trying to say it. Anyways, leading the team to further believe that Richard attempted to get rid of Hella in, well, a similar fashion. Basically, he was like, hey, I got a wood chipper, I got a body, let's see what happened when I put both of them together. At this point, Richard probably thought, you know what, I have committed the perfect murder. If there's no body, then there's no case. Which, yeah, is like most of the time true. But also most of the time not, it's, it's really weird. It was even alleged by a brother-in-law that Richard commented the following. Also keep in mind, he said this at the beginning of the search. Quote, let them dive. There's no body, it's gone. Straight up, he was just like, go ahead. They're not gonna find anything. I mean, that's a pretty strange comment to make from a man who claims that he knows nothing. Richard really is living up to his nickname, isn't he? <laughs> a real dick. They were just laying there. You know, and I thought, good Lord, you know, we didn't, I didn't even think too much about uh, how the chipper came to, came into play at that point until we, uh, until we started finding a lot of, a lot of hair. That was when I remarked to my boss, you know, I said, you know, if he did what I think he did, it's time for me to retire. This brings us to January 11th, 1987. At this point, an arrest warrant was granted based on the evidence that had been found so far. Yeah, they may not have had a body, but they definitely had enough evidence to be like, yo, Richard, uh, you look really guilty. So get this, police arrive at his house with a warrant and are like, yo, you're under arrest, come with us. 
Richard responds with, but I am lit tired. I'm kidding, he didn't actually say those words. His exact quote was, I'm tired, I'll take care of it in the morning. However, police were like, no, that's, that's not how any of this works, dude. He was immediately taken into custody and held on a bail of $750,000. That's a lot of money. Now, when police get into the home, they confirm that yes, there was in fact a massive amount of carpet removed from the couple's bedroom. They also found a lot of blood. Well, a lot of little blood smears, especially one that was notably along the base of the bed. They also found proof of a purchase of a large freezer, a large freezer that happened to be missing. Also found purchase of a chainsaw, another thing that just happened to be missing. Another thing was that Richard was a gun enthusiast. He owned, well, he owned a lot of little weapons. He kind of liked to collect them, which whatever, do your own thing. However, all of them were taken and uh, seized during the search. Trace amounts of her blood was found throughout the house as well. The evidence was mounting against Richard. It was sort of becoming more and more clear that Mr. Dick, yeah, he had definitely, probably, but most likely murdered and disposed of his wife. This meant that a prosecution would move forward on attempting to convict Richard without a body. Which, as you know, isn't really common. But yeah, no, it, it actually does happen quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. But also not a lot. It's weird. It happens, but like not a lot, but also a lot. Anyways, that's what's gonna happen here because in a sense they have a body, just not like intact. Sorry, that was inappropriate. But also true. By now, the story was front page news around the world. Richard Crafts was a suspect but he maintained his innocence, saying he didn't kill his wife, he didn't know her whereabouts, and that he had passed a lie detector test. But the forensics might tell a different story. At this point, there is a mountain of evidence, but one juror decided, I'm gonna hold out. I think he may, he may be innocent, guys. So the trial would end up in a hung jury, and the court was forced to hold a second trial. All evidence was brought forth once again in Norwalk, Connecticut, and it would start on September 7, 1989. Then, on November 21st in 1989, after both sides had finished their arguments, the jury took eight hours to find Richard guilty of the murder of Hella Crafts. This was the first murder conviction in the state's history where a body was not present. That's right, guys. That's why I kept saying, like, it's, it's, it's possible, like, it happens, but, like, not, because it never had until then. And, like, what, like, most fucked up thing about that is this is the first murder conviction without a body. But, like, not just because, like, I don't know, the body just... It was, a, it was fucking put in a wood chipper. Like, that's so disturbing, so disturbing. But also, like, you gotta give him an A for effort. Like, he tried, he's just an idiot, so it didn't go very far. But like, he did try to dispose of the body, just not well. I think that Richard believed, like, if he put the body in the wood chipper, it would just magically disappear. Or maybe those pieces would be so small they couldn't tie back to her. Again, Richard is not very but also, I don't know what we expect from him. He thinks that murder is better than divorce. So <laughs> we're obviously working with somebody who's a few crayons short of a full box. 
Thanks for the ride. On November 18th, Ella Crafts returned from her flight to Germany around 7 p.m. She put the children to bed around 8. The nanny had the night off and wasn't expected home until midnight. Before going to bed, Ella changed into her favorite blue nightshirt, looked through her mail, stuffed it into her pocket, and began changing her sheets. I don't believe you. You know, I can't take this anymore. Why don't you just get out? No, you get out. You get out. Leave me alone. Then it happened quickly. flashlight, the first blow knocked her to the ground. The second produced the blood splatter, hitting the mattress at a 10-degree angle. While falling, her head grazed the side of the mattress, leaving the blood smear. He wrapped the body in the bed covers, carried her through the house into the garage, and placed the body into a freezer. Richard tried to clean up the blood with some towels which were later washed, but traces of blood remained on the towels, later discovered by Dr. Lee. Marie Thomas, the nanny, arrived home around 2 a.m. and went right to bed. At daybreak, Crafts took the children and the nanny to his sister's house, saying their mother had left earlier. Marie, hurry up! He then rented the largest commercial wood chipper he could find and a U-Haul truck using his credit card. By nighttime, Hella's body was completely frozen. Crafts transported the remains along with a chainsaw and some wood to the river. The snowplow driver spotted the wood chipper on a bridge around 3.30 in the morning and again near the river an hour later. Using his chainsaw, Crafts dismembered Hella's frozen body and put the pieces through the chipper along with some wood. Since the body was frozen, it produced little if any blood splatter. Most of the debris blew into the river. Only a few pieces fell short, landing on the bank. The mail Hella placed in her nightshirt pocket passed through the chipper virtually untouched. Before leaving, Crafts took apart the chainsaw, scratched the serial number off, and threw the pieces into the river. How close was the brutal murder of Hella Crafts to the perfect crime? Boy, damn close. Damn close. To this day, Richard still continues to deny any involvement in the murder or disappearance of his wife, Hella. Even despite all of the evidence that is just mounted up against him. He was able to argue in front of the Supreme Court about his conviction. However, it was still upheld. All the way up until Richard Crafts was 82. He got out 20 years early due to a law in place at the time of his 1987 sentencing. 
This allowed for the sentence to be reduced by a few years as a reward for good behavior and all of the work that he had been doing in prison. Now the law has since been changed, but they had to honor it because it was still in place when he was incarcerated and sentenced. You see, he was sentenced to 50 years in prison in 1990 by a judge who commented on all of the lack of remorse that Richard seemed to have. He had been released into a halfway house in the State Department of Corrections. Again, he was 82 at the time of his release into this housing program. He still has to finish out the rest of his sentence, but it has to be in that program, no longer in prison. He had been in prison since his 1987 arrest. So yeah, again, he still maintains that he is absolutely innocent, but yeah, evidence says otherwise. And that is the case of Hella Crafts, the disturbing wood chipper murder, and the very first murder case in the state's history to actually have a conviction without a body. Just remarkable. Thank you again, Daniel, for recommending this and sending me the information that you did because this was just amazing. I am so thankful that you did and I'm so glad that you, the listener that is listening right now to this, hi, that's my voice, I'm so glad that you came to this episode and heard all about it as well. Because once again, I do all of this for you. I really enjoy making all of this stuff for you guys and like looking into these things as disturbing as they are <laughs> and it makes our time together really morbid, I still really enjoy it. The fact of the matter remains, there is some dark shit in our world. There are some bad people. Stuff that just makes you go, <laughs> what the actual fuck, what? That shit happens, oh my god. Put his fucking wife in a wood chipper, Jesus Christ. You see, you see, that's why we're called What the Actual F. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for checking out this episode. And I can't wait to talk to you in the next one. Who knows, maybe it'll be another case that you guys recommended. Or maybe it's going to be something spooky, scary, skeletons. Because, you know, Halloween. Or maybe it's just going to be something really fucked up. Because, well, this whole podcast is super fucked up shit that is definitely all Halloween oriented. Because it's fucking scary. I mean, real life murders, disappearances, strange things, conspiracies, all things spooky. Nonetheless, I can't wait to talk to you on the next episode of What the Actual Left. Again, please bear with me for a little while on this uploading schedule. Once again, guys, please feel free to follow me on all of my social media. And please remember, until next time, stay safe, guys. I love you so much, and I never, ever want to tell a story about you. Also, one more time, thank you so much, Daniel! Hope you enjoyed this episode! Alright, guys, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go now, okay? Okay. Seriously. Bye. Bye! <sighs> okay, listen, you have to stop listening. If you don't stop listening, then the show can Seriously, is the music even still going? Am I surrounded in silence yet? Like, you gotta stop listening. Okay, count of three. One. One and a half. Two and a half. Two and three quarters. You were supposed to go. Fine, I'm going. Love you, bye.